0: How we doing, church? We good? We good? Yeah. Cool, cool. Right. Fantastic. Well, I just want to say, first and foremost, a big thank you to everyone who's been praying for me over the last couple of weeks. It's been a, it's been a bit of a, a, a mad couple of weeks where I've, I started um, coming down with some kind of fever that just didn't leave, that went nearly up to 40 degrees for a few days, to go in a hospital where you think, no, I'm sure it'll be all right, to then them making you stay in, and you're like, oh, no, what's going on? Um, And it isn't actually till you start to feel unwell that you realise how vulnerable as human beings we can actually be, you know. Um, You start to realise, oh, I am just a a person in the sense that, yes, God's in me. But actually, um, I was just so thankful that God never left me in that situation, you know. Even when they said I had to stay in hospital, I wanted to run. I was like, no, you ain't keeping me in here. Um, But I knew it was good. My wife was making me stay. Um, But I just want to thank you for all your prayers and stuff. I'm feeling so much better than I was praise God. Um, And I do believe it was just some kind of virus. They still haven't really come back to us with what it was. But um, who knows? God knows and God's made me well. So that's all that matters. Amen. I am uh, just going to start just by reading the praise report. I was going to do it just a minute ago, but I thought it'd be really good just to do it at this point. For the goodness of God that someone's written here. It says, someone's thanking God for what God has done for their family. Um, He removed reproach. He helped pay every debt. And he restored, restored joy into their family. Come on, let's give God a, a shout of praise for that. I love that. That actually God's repaid the debt. He's restored their family and brought joy back into to the household. You know, A life without joy is no life, but God brings joy, amen? Um, and a, a family that's full of God's joy is a good family. And I think no matter what the circumstances in your life look like, God's joy isn't dependent on that. Aren't you thankful for that? I'm thankful for that. I'm so thankful that just because I'm sick in a bed doesn't mean I can't have the joy of God. Just because debt might be creeping at the door doesn't mean I can't have the joy of God. The joy of God is because I'm connected to him, amen, and my life is found in him. Awesome, right, cool. We are going to start in a, in a moment. I just want to remind us over the last uh, couple of weeks I've kind of been watching from uh, online at home, um, and last week, uh, Paula Smudge—it was a triple team last week. Paula, uh, Smudge, and Pastor Jude did an incredible, incredible job, kind of um, sharing the vision, sharing what kind of things are coming up next. And I'm excited to be part of a church that's full of vision, right? i full of future, full of things that we want to do moving forward. Um, so I just want to recap um, the kind of overall theme for the year before I look at kind of the teaching that we're going to look at today and I'm going to try and get it done before the time's up but if I don't I apologize in advance. Um, So today um, we've been well over the last couple weeks Pastor Annie shared that theme didn't he about being rooted. Everyone remember our overall vision for the year is about being rooted in Christ and I thought it'd be really good just to recap on that scripture in Colossians 2 6 and 7. That it says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. I love this because we're called to be rooted in Christ. Our life is not caused to be just stood on the sideline watching Christ, but our life is called, each and every one of us here are called to be rooted deeply into relationship with Christ. When I look up those words rooted, um, I don't know why my head went down an Australian accent, but the word is Rizzo. And the minute I heard it, I went, Rizzo, mate, in my head. But the word is Rizzo. Where's Paul Bampton? Rizzo. Um, And that word literally means to be rooted strong and healthy. We are called to be rooted strong and healthy in God. Amen? And we're called to be built up. We're called to be um, strengthened. And we're called to have a life that overflows with the goodness of Christ. When you're rooted in him, all of those things should flow from your life. You should have a healthy, strong spiritual life. You should be built up and be able to be built on. You should be able to stand strong and stand firm. And then you'll have an abundance, this is what that scripture is saying, abundance and more than enough of overflowing in your life. Come on, I'd rather be that than stood on the sidelines. I'd rather be rooted in Christ, having an abundance, an overflow, than just stood on the sidelines. Amen? So based on the thought of being rooted, um, which we're going to keep mentioning over the course of this year, I want to look at the subject, and it's one of those weird words, and you'll think, oh, some of you might switch off, some of you might switch on. Christology. Anyone heard of the word Christology before? A few of you, yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a, one of those words. The kind of words when I first come into church, if someone mentioned, I'd probably be like, oh no, what's that mean? But it's a really simple word. And actually, I just want to encourage you that nothing in the Bible is complicated. If it's getting complicated, take a stop and go back. Because God's not a complicated God. And he doesn't do anything to complicate us. He does everything to help us understand with ease. Amen. So this word Christology, it comes from two words, Christos and Logos. Logos literally means word or the study of Christos, the Christ, the Messiah. So put the two together, we're looking at the study of Christ. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be studying Christ. And actually, a lot of these words we use in normal language. Who here has done biology in school? Right, exactly. It's a similar word, bio, life, ology, the study, the study of life. It's a simple phrase, right? Psychology, psych, the mind, ology, the study, the study of the mind. All these phrases, we shouldn't get afraid. Theology, who's heard of theology? Theo, God, ology, the study of. So if you're going to university to do theology, you're going to study God. Study what God has said in his word, all these things. Whenever you see ology, it's the study of something. And so never be afraid when we're using these words. Oh, what's that? It's really quite a simple word. Christology, we're going to be looking at the study of Christ, which is exciting, right? Who here loves Christ? Cool. And we're going to now look at what it means to have a life running after him. So the actual theme or the actual title of what we're going to be looking at over the next five weeks is Jesus Is. So that will come on up there in a minute. Jesus Is. So this is going to be our theme, our title over the next few weeks. Um, and we're going to look at a number of relatable subjects around who Jesus is, because sometimes we may not know the truth of who he is. We may know an aspect of it, but actually we want to unpack the truth of who Jesus is so that actually we can live in the fullness of our walk with God, amen? So we want to, work at, we want to, we want to learn the works and the person of who he is, not just the person, but the works, the outworking of what Christ's done and what he's done in our life. And today, um, we're gonna, we're gonna, our teaching comes from Hebrews 13, verse 8, which the Bible says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we're going to be looking at that thought. We're going to be looking at what knowing Christ should look like in our life and how it should be different than just knowing about Christ I want to look at, it's a bit, bit teachy today, a bit, I'm, not, I'm used to running around the stage, come on Jesus, I'm going to be sat here a bit calmer, is that all right with everyone? I may end up kicking the table over in a minute and giving it a big one, but I'll, for the minute I'm not. So we're going to be looking at knowing Jesus, knowing him for ourselves, knowing not just about him, but knowing him for ourselves. And then we're going to look at some interesting things around the pre-existence of Christ. It starts getting a bit all, but it's going to be interesting where we start looking at what the scripture says about Christ before he came in the Christmas story, and where he actually is throughout the whole of the Bible. And then we're going to look at some of the prophecies about Jesus throughout the whole Bible, and how actually he fulfilled them. So it's a, it's a little bit of a, a teachy study, but actually I want to bring truth that's going to bring revelation to your life, that actually causes you to walk out with a different understanding and a different view of who Christ is in your life. Amen? So... Why is it important to have a clear understanding of the person and work of Jesus? Simply, the first thing is about relationship. By understanding who he fully is, we can know him better, right? Everyone who's got a relationship with someone, you talk, you get to know the person, and you know what? As you grow together, you realise you're constantly moving forward together, and what you knew about them yesterday, you know more today. Amen. And you're growing. And that's what we want to do. The more we can unpack who Jesus is, the more we can know him for ourselves in a fresh way and have a great relationship with him. Amen. A healthy relationship is important. The second thing is about the missional statement of it. So we can understand his purpose for coming to the earth 2,000 years ago. We want to unpack it so we can understand truly why Christ came. This figure that regardless of whether you're Christian or not, everyone seems to know him. He's everywhere across the world. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Some people use his name in vain, I know. But he's known across the whole world. Well, if he's known across the whole world and he claims to be God, I want to know what his mission was. Amen? And then also the benefit. So we can both know and live in the good of what he's achieved for us in the death, burial, and resurrection and exaltation. Like I said, if he came for a purpose and that purpose was for you, then don't you want to know the benefits of that? Right? Amen? Come on, we would want to know the benefits, right? And then the validation. So we're able to distinguish between genuine and counterfeit. Do you know many people come claiming to be Christ? Many people come claiming to be truth. Many people come and set up false religions claiming to believe in Jesus, yet taking people astray. Listen, the more we can know the truth about Jesus the more we can be aware when counterfeit come in, amen? So this is really important. Matthew 24, verse five says this, for many, and this is Jesus saying, saying this, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. So it's important that we know him so that we're not deceived by someone pretending to be him, amen? Matthew 24, 24 says this, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. We know that people are going to come, because we've seen it before, claiming to be the Christ, claiming to be um, the Messiah. You know, we have uh, religions like the Mormons that use the name of Jesus, like Jehovah Witnesses that use the name of Jesus, but then add a whole heap of false doctrine attached to it that lead people astray. Well, we want to know the truth so well that no one will ever lead us astray, Amen. And the more we're acquainted with the truth, the more we are growing in it, the more we're going to know when something false enters the room. And I was always told this story. I don't know if this is true. I think maybe it's an American thing, but about a bank teller. That actually in a bank, and those that work in a bank will tell me the truth, maybe this is, but it works. The story works, so I'm going to use it. Um, that actually, rather than giving uh, people fake money in the bank to, to, to work out counterfeit, they give them so much real money that when fake money does come in, they're able to discern it straight away. So we don't want to be caught up in learning all about the counterfeit so that we're aware, because that isn't going to make us aware. We want to be so caught up in the truth of who Jesus is, that when counterfeit walks in the room, it's like, stick out like a sore thumb. Hold on, you ain't right. Because you know you've been around truth too much. But if you're not around truth enough... You'll get led astray, amen? So we want to we make sure, this is why it's so important about knowing who Jesus is and the person of who he is. And do you know what I love about it? I walked in this room 15 years ago, you know my story, and I sat there not knowing nothing about nothing. Um, I knew how to be a hooligan, but I didn't know anything about Christ. I didn't know anything about church or anything like that. And I didn't have the real qualification to think that I should know anything like this but you know what Jesus doesn't need you to be qualified he just needs you to have faith to believe and walk with him and you know what he does he brings his truth into your heart he starts to reveal who he is to you and causes your life to change miraculously even when we don't deserve it see if we grow with him and walk with him your life will be different I promise you Even if right now it feels quite hard, the more you walk with him, the more you journey with him, the more Jesus is able to do miraculous things in your life. Amen? Cool. So the first thing we're going to look at is knowing Jesus, like I said, knowing him for ourselves, not just knowing about him. There's a knowing about him that I think we all do, right? We all know about him in some ways in school, when you're younger, when you do RE class, you know about Jesus, like you know about all the other religions and stuff. And knowing about him is very different to knowing him, right? I can know about people on the TV, but I don't know them. But Jesus invites us into a close relationship with him where we can know him personally. And I don't want to miss that opportunity. And that opportunity doesn't have to be earned. He invites every single person, regardless of the past, regardless of the mistakes, you know? So I'm so thankful for that. A person that I really like in the Bible that done this journey, who had an incredible revelation of not just about Jesus, but who Jesus was, was Peter. Peter knew Jesus in the natural, didn't he? He walked with, he walked with him. He was called on the, sh- on the shores as a fisherman to follow Christ, and he followed him. Like many of you have been called, the reason you're here is because God is calling you here. He's calling you to relationship with him. Maybe you're here for the very first time today. Listen, the whisper of God's call brought you here today. And I believe what he's doing is calling you into relationship with you. But there's a journey that's ahead and Peter went on this journey and he did it well sometimes and he did it terrible sometimes, like all of us probably. Um, he reacted bad and sometimes he sounded good um, and, and life can be like that. But he had a, it, there came a moment where he had a, an understanding that was beyond knowing about Christ. And we can read about it in Matthew 16, 15 to 17. So he said to them, this is Jesus speaking Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answers and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. See, Peter had been walking with Jesus in the natural, walking, knowing about him, probably looking at him, feeling marveled by this guy, thinking, Wow, he's a superstar. You know, this guy is incredible. Don't really get this at all. But he's healing the sick. He's talking to demons and they're flying out. And, and, it's, and it's miraculous. And he's allowing me to follow him. How incredible is this? Then came a moment one day on that journey where the father, where, where, where there was a revealing on the inside where his eyes opened up and he realised, you are the one the Bible is talking about. That whole Old Testament that we read Is pointing to him, the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus says, no man has revealed this to you, not flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. And do you know what? That's what happens when we go on a journey with Christ. Revelation comes, and we start to go deeper with him, and we start to understand who he is, not just about him, but we start to know that his life, what his life means for us and how he's calling us to walk with him, Amen. So he had known him naturally, but now his true identity and purpose was revealed. We also need that revelation that Jesus was more than just a historical figure. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And when we get that revelation, it will change your life. It will change everything about. Now, do you need to understand it? Not always, because revelations aren't always understood, are they? Oh, I've had revelations before, and like I'm, I'm, most of you will know I'm super excitable. And when God's done something, I'm like, you've got to see what God's done. And I'll get in the. God said this to me. And they're like, yeah, what? And I'm like, oh, they haven't got it. Because why? Revelation's personal. I can't give you my revelations. I can try and get you to understand them, but it's only through spending time with God and journeying in your own walk when God reveals himself to you and you go, oh, wow, he's here. Who's had that moment where you go, he's here, his presence is real, he changes, he redeems, he sets free. Listen, when you get to that place, your life will never be the same again. There's a difference between standing on the sideline and watching Christ do things and when you start walking with him and he starts doing things in your own heart, there's a whole different aspect of that. See, he came with purpose and was anointed by God for a purpose. And we can read these. There's a scripture in Acts 10 38 that says this, and it'll be on the screen. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. How he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. See, he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. He came not just to be some kind of good figure that most people say that he was. He came with an agenda to tackle the devil and redeem broken people. Luke four eighteen to 19 says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me. This is Jesus declaring this over his own life. And he's actually quoting a scripture from the Old Testament. That was a prophetic word about him. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Come on, this is good. See, knowing about God is one thing, but when you get to know him personally, you experience his liberty, his freedom, his power and anointing that overflows. You know, there's nothing special about me except I'm hungry for God. Now, your hunger will determine what you get out of life. If you're hungry for something, who's here when they're hungry and they get in that cupboard, they start digging for stuff. You know, your hunger will take you somewhere. Snack cupboard, good cupboard, wherever. It takes you somewhere. Hunger gets you somewhere. Hunger after God gets you somewhere. If you hunger enough after him, You'll start to see his power move in your life. You'll start to see liberty break out in your life. It's just whether the world is more appetizing to you than him. And that question I'll just leave out there to you because only you can answer that. See, the world lays out all kinds of cakes and crisps. Sometimes Jesus lays out a bit of, uh, it feels like that anyway. But it isn't until you taste and see that the Lord is good that that mm, feels like, woo but it's by faith. Amen. See, the world doesn't operate by faith. It operates by senses. It appeals to your senses and gets you to come and have. Whereas God wants you to step out of the boat by faith and just try it, even if it doesn't feel right. And then he reveals himself with power. And sometimes we've got to be willing to journey out of the boat of comfortableness. You know, I had this picture, and I think it's relevant to share now. Where do I get to the end of this or not? I don't know. I'm looking at the time now. I've gone off on a tangent already, yeah? I just felt like this picture God gave me last night was relevant for someone or, or maybe a few people. That actually, when God called you, it was the most exciting thing ever. You were close to him. Why? Because he called you just like he called Peter from the boat. And he was on the shoreline of your life. And you were there with him. And it was like, yes. But Jesus does something. He starts walking and you have to follow him. And I felt like last night as I was just sat reading the Bible that some of you, maybe even for my own life sometimes, I'm not putting this on any individual, maybe it's just a general thing, I don't know. You've started to follow Christ, but then Jesus went in a direction that seemed too much and so you paused. And your life with Christ has now felt like at a distance because Where you were once close and it seemed fun, Jesus wants you to step out into a different direction and it feels too hard. And so rather than following him, you've stopped. And you've kind of turned and tried to get used to what's around you. Listen, today, you need to take the brave step of carrying on following him. Regardless of how scary it looks, sometimes we walk through the wilderness. That feels lonely. Sometimes it's the valley of the shadow of death. That's dark. Yet the Bible says he never leaves you nor forsakes you. And if he's leading you through it, he'll lead you to something. The worst thing we can do is stop following him. It would be like being on a roller coaster and jumping off halfway. The roller coaster is crazy. It's going everywhere, but you're safer strapped in. If you jump out halfway, yes, you'll get off of it, but you will fly like 200 foot in the wrong direction. So it's best to stay strapped in and let him lead you to the destination. Amen. And I just believe that's a word for someone that you need to, not that you need to restart your whole journey. God doesn't ask you of that. It's simply today saying, Jesus, I'm ready to step forward. I'm ready to step. I'm ready to face that fear and walk anyway. Amen? That wasn't anything to do with this, so I apologise. I'm going to try and get back on this. I just believe that was a prophetic word for someone. And maybe it's even for someone online. And if that's you online, listen, just take it, run with it, and keep following God. So, yes, so Jesus came with a purpose, so we need to know not just about him, we need to know him for ourselves. Amen. We need to get close up and personal with him. This means responsibility for our own walk with God. it can 't just be this here on a Sunday. Having a study of Christ is a seven day a week thing it 's got to be a lifestyle. When I first got saved it 's what became my life. I, I just wanted to know him, and i didn't always do it well. I started reading the first five books of the Old Testament and I started getting a bit confused. I started looking at all the like lambs being offered up in sacrifices and stuff and thought, oh, this seems a bit mad. It wasn't until someone slowly, gently helped me understand the New Testament, I was like, oh, okay, I went down the wrong path a little bit. See, listen, your hunger will take you places. It doesn't matter. We just get hungry after Christ. Be hungry that you just want to keep digging and digging and digging. The Bible says that when you seek for it, you shall find it. When you knock, the door shall be opened. Are you knocking and are you seeking? Because if you're expecting a door to open, but you're not knocking, there's a problem. God wants you to first knock and then it will open. Amen? So we need to know him for ourselves, just like Peter had that revelation. The next thing we just kind of briefly look at is the pre-existence of Christ. It's it's looking at him, everyone knows the Christmas story, don't we? We love that Christmas story, and we celebrate him at Christmas, baby in a manger, and it kind of, often for a lot of people, he just stays a baby, and then you see him next Christmas as baby Jesus again, and it's like we do an annual Christmas service with baby Jesus, and and it's great, but listen, Jesus isn't baby Jesus. He's the son of God, and he pre-existed before that. There was a reason why he had to be born in flesh and was a baby for a moment. Because he had to grow up and die for the sins of humanity. But this was the plan well before Jesus was born in that manger. And there are many texts in the New Testament that speak in one way or another of the pre-existence of Christ. Some of my favourite, and this was one of the revelations I, I first had. When, someone, when I read that Old Testament, remember I said I read the first five, old book, the five, five books and I was baffed at home. Like, what is going on with this? But I'm going to keep going. Um, someone said, read John. And John's a good book for those that are new to, to faith. John's a very, very good book, to the Gospel of John, to read. And this is what the Word says in John 1:1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Really simple. That's the revelation that I had. It jumped out at me like someone hit me with a fish in the face. Like, whoo! Like, I was like, whoa! And then when I tell other people that, they're like, yeah, what? I'm like, how did you not get it? Jesus is the Word. In the beginning it was and I was starting getting out there and not getting it. I'm like, just God help them. Because He revealed Himself to me. And it's personal. And I can't get you to get that. But the fact is, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right in the beginning of all time, the Word was there, the Word was Christ. He existed well before all things were created. And in John 1.14, it says this, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He existed well before that baby in a manger moment. Outside of the natural that we know, God had already set up from the moment things went wrong with humanity that his Son One part of the triune God would come into flesh and die for humanity. Amen. Jesus himself even uh, teaches the pre-existence in a number of texts. He said he had glory with the Father before the world was. And we can read that in John 17, verse 5, which says this. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I mean, he's saying it for himself that he had this... Moment before the world began where he was with God in the glory. So he existed before all of these things happened here on earth. And it goes on to say that he had come from the Father in John 5:43 and 6.38. You can read that. And this these imply that his pre-existence was there. And there's many other verses that speak about the pre-existence of Christ. And there's um there's, there's some that I can give you afterwards if you want, but we're not going to go through them for the sake of time. But the third thing he says, Jesus also said that he existed prior to Abraham's birth. Um, John eight fifty eight to 59. It, I'll paraphrase it, but he says, before Abraham was, I am. Meaning that Christ was before Abraham. Well, Abraham was hundreds of years before Jesus came to the earth. 800, 900 years before, um, before he came here on the earth. Yet Jesus says before Abraham, I am. I mean, these are all pictures of Christ pointing that he was God that existed outside of all of this well before the earth was made. Amen? Paul also, um, in referring to Christ, says that Christ was rich but then became poor, that he was in the form of God but humbled himself, that he was before all things. You can read that in Colossians 1.17 as well, that actually God, Jesus Christ, before everything was with the Father in glory, that he humbled himself and became poor here on earth so that we could have a relationship with the Father. He did it not so that he could have a relationship with the Father. That existed before. He is God. He did it so that we could come into that relationship also. And then also Jesus' pre-existing, his divinity is further proven. There's many scriptures, Matthew 28, 9, uh, verses 17 as well, Luke 24, 52, John 9, 38, and John 20, 28, where Jesus is being worshipped, but he never turns it away. Now, that's quite an interesting thing, because you would be called blasphemous, right? People started worshipping me, unless you were God. Unless you knew you were God, and all worship did belong to you, then of course you're not going to turn it away, which shows that he was the pre-existing God that came out of heaven onto earth, And when people worshipped him, of course he didn't turn it away because he was God. Amen? And then also he implied that he had authority over the Sabbath in Mark 2.28, as well as authority to abolish the law. In Ephesians 2.14 and 15 we read about that. That actually Jesus was above everything that was written because everything that was written came after him. That actually, there's a moment um, you'll be familiar with this kind of weird, because it's one of those weird moments that Jesus does something, and you think, well, why on earth did he do that? Um, where he spits in someone's eye, Who's, you know, where he starts rubbing his, some of that saliva be healed. Um, and you sometimes think, well, why on earth did you do that? I had this revelation again, revelation, and it's a bit more of a simpler one than the one before, that when you read the law, remember Jesus is above the law, that it says that those with unclean uh, liquid within them when they touch another person, it makes the other person unclean. Well, yet Jesus, with clean liquid, was able to make the unclean clean, which meant his liquid was greater. The, the saliva that was in him that preexisted any of the law had greater power to heal people than an unclean saliva that made others unclean. Listen, he existed above it. He was greater above it. He was able to reverse what the law said and go beyond it. Why? Because the law was about him everything written points to Jesus whether we understand it or not the whole of the Old Testament points the finger Jesus Christ is coming Jesus Christ is coming that's what the whole of the Old Testament is saying it's pointing to him it's pointing to him from the very beginning from the very moment and we can read that in all of the prophecies that we see which is the last thing that I was going to look at and I can read some of them now, that actually every prophecy written, Jesus fulfilled hundreds and hundreds throughout hundreds of different years of time through different people and and places where these things were prophesied. Jesus Christ entered in and was able to fulfill every single one. And some of them were outside of his natural control. He would never have been able to know where he was born. He couldn't control that. I couldn't tell you that I was able to. I I was. I didn't choose to be born in St Mary's Hospital in Portsmouth. It wasn't like I was in my mum's temp. You know, tell me. Excuse me. I don't want to go to. I had no choice. I was born there. Yet Jesus fulfilled things spoken about Him, about His birth, in such miraculous ways. Right at the beginning, I want to share this: when humanity fell away from God that caused all of humanity to walk separate from God from that moment onwards, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not. We are born walking contrary to God. Our hearts are full of evil and full of sin and wickedness. Even if sometimes we don't want to do it, we do it. Right at the beginning, when all of humanity fell, God gave this promise in Genesis 3.15. When the enemy had deceived Eve and Adam to take of the fruit... He cursed the serpent and said that the offspring of the woman will come against you. You will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. Now listen, having a bruised heel hurts, but having a crushed head is deathly. You can get away with having a bruised heel, but if your head gets crushed, it'd be weird to walk around with a crushed head. I don't know what that would look like. I'm pretty sure you wouldn't get away with it. It's pretty much instant death, right? Right? Now listen, God right from the moment of our failure already had a plan to send his son. And the plan was that he would get his heel hurt. And he did that when he went to the cross. And for three days, his heel was hurt. Yet on the third day, he rose again to victory. And the enemy's head was crushed. Thousands of years ago, this was prophesied through Moses as he was writing this down. Right at the beginning of time, His lineage was prophesied in Genesis 49.10 that he would be of the line of Judah, one of the tribes of Israel. And then if you look at the lineage in Luke 3.33, he comes from the tribe of Judah. You can't make this stuff up. Statistically, it makes no sense that he would be able to work this unless he was God. The place of his birth was prophesied and fulfilled that he was a prophet to come was prophesied and it was fulfilled. His betrayal, that he would be betrayed, is written in Psalms. And he was betrayed by Judas of Iscariot. Being sold for 30 pieces of silver, such a small detail yet prophesied in the book of Zechariah, that 30 pieces of silver would be given and 30 pieces of silver were given for him. His violent death, his resurrection, and his exaltation into God's right hand were all prophesied, just small prophecies, but all fulfilled. And there's many, many, many more. And the last one I just want to look at as we look at it on the screen before I end and pray. And actually, at the back as you leave today, um, I've printed out, there's a lot. So if you don't like lots of information, it's cool. You don't have to take it. But if you do, these are every prophecy that has been prophesied in the Old Testament with the, uh, the, the the actual New Testament where it was done, where it was being. So there's, there's a page, you can take it for free at the back there. If you don't like printouts, if you go to gotquestions.org and just type in Jesus' prophecies, it will all be on there as well. So you can do either, either way, do that. But it also speaks of the types and shadows on there as well, where Jesus is seen in some kind of story or image of the one to come. And there's, all this information is on there. But I encourage you to, this week, let it be your homework. Don't just go away from here thinking, wow, that was all right, wasn't it? Jesus was written everywhere. No, no, go and find it for yourself. Go and start looking in the Old Testament and say, God, reveal yourself to me there. Reveal Jesus to me in the Old Testament. Trust me, your faith, your relationship with him will grow in a whole different way when you realise everything was written about him. And Psalms 22 is one of those profound ones because as you read it, for those that know the crucifixion story, the details of it, the things that happened, the mockery that happened to Jesus on the cross, when you read Psalms 22, a psalm by King David, hundreds of years before Christ came, you think, obviously, David would have been a prophet. Yes, he was king, but he knew God. He was able to prophesy and speak through the Spirit. Listen to this and don't tell me this isn't prophetic about him going to the cross. Psalms 22, verse 1. What does this sound like? This is David speaking. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are are you so far from saving me? So far, my cries of anguish. When Jesus was on the cross, it was the very words he said. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then in verse 7 of Psalms 22. 22. All who see me mock me, they hurl insults, shaking their heads. When he was hanging on that cross, people mocked him and ridiculed him. If you are the king of the Jews, if you are the son of God, come down from that cross. They mocked him and ridiculed him. Verse 8 of Psalms 22 He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him, let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Verse 14. This is David speaking. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. These are the things that were happening on the cross. Verses, Psalm 22, verse 16. Dogs surround me, pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. Crucifixion never existed in David's time. Having your hands pierced and your feet pierced made no sense unless God was moving through him to declare that one day the Son of God would come and have his hands and feet pierced for the humanity that needed him. Verse 17 says, All my bones are on display. People stare and glow over me. Is that not our King on the cross? And this is miraculous. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. It's exactly what the soldiers did started casting lots and dividing his garments right there and then. Yet David is speaking hundreds of years before in some prophetic imagery about what he's going through, but actually God was using it to proclaim what was to come. Then verse 31 of Psalm 22 says, they will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Like what Carla said, it is finished. What did God do on the cross? What did he say? Father, it is finished. It is finished. And now we, who were unborn at that time, proclaim, just as me standing on this stage to you, to declare in right now, just as Carla did earlier, we are living this prophecy by saying to you right now, it is done, it is accomplished, it is finished, in Jesus' name. And so, so simply that's it, the introduction to this Christology. Which when we say Christology now, you think, what? It really is Jesus is. All the things that he says he is to us. And our journey is about unpacking the good things he has for us, amen. And I would say, take this, but I would say more than that, get deep with God. In the morning, ask him, reveal yourself to me, Lord. Show me what you've got for me, because you know what, each and every one of you, he has promises that he wants to speak over you. Whether you're here for the very first time today, It's not by an accident. God knew you when you were born and he's lined up such a time as this to reveal himself to you. And maybe there's some of you that have kind of distanced yourself, like I said earlier, and actually you need to come back into close relationship with Jesus. You need to say to Jesus, Lord, I want this all over again. I'm hungry for you again, Lord. So can we just pray together that we can invite anyone that doesn't know Christ into a relationship with him today? you can just close your eyes and no one's looking it's a private moment in this moment it's just between you and God and I'm just going to simply pray and you can pray in your heart and the Bible says that when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord you'll be saved you'll be saved from this life into all eternity the reality is there's life after death but who you believe in is determined where you're positioned Those that believe in the Lord, the Bible says, shall be saved for all eternity. And so I'm going to pray and then we can uh, just invite anyone. So Father, we thank you today that we can start a journey of knowing Jesus. And we today turn from our old way of living, from the way we've known all our life. And today I commit my life to you, Jesus, in a fresh way. I believe in you, Jesus. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I turn from my old way and I walk in the newness of what you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you've prayed that, just keep your eyes closed for a moment. If you've prayed that and you know today's the day you need to get right with God, you may not understand everything and that's okay, I still don't at all. I know very small amounts, but I know Jesus is real. And if you want a relationship with him and to start this journey, I just want you to raise your hand so I can pray with you this morning. Is there any people in here today that want to get their life right with God? Just raise your hand nice and high. If there's anyone in the house today that just wants to commit their life to Jesus. Just pause for a moment. And if there's anyone here today that wants to commit their life, maybe that prophecy earlier that I said, where you felt like your journey has come to a stop because you were frightened of what's ahead. I don't want anyone looking in this moment. I still want everyone's eyes closed. But if that's you, and you know you need to take a step forward across the kind of boat and walk along the water, can you just raise your hand so that I can pray for you this morning? Yeah, there's a few people that this has happened to. That life has become almost a stalemate. Because you realized it was too frightening. Father, I just thank you for every heart right now that's saying they're ready to step out the boat into the unknown to follow you. Father, fill them with your spirit in a fresh way, I pray, and cause them to walk in faith and not fear. May you just gently lead them, Lord, I pray, into their next into their future that you have for them. May it be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, fantastic. Thank you, church. We all good?